Thanks for tuning in to the Quality is Key podcast, where we focus on improving the quality of your life through powerful stories, top-notch motivation, and real topics. You've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Enjoy the podcast. How's everyone doing today? It's Bobby Sunday from the Quality is Key podcast. And today my guest is Dan Hogan, high-performance athletic trainer, inspirational speaker, and author of the book, Peak Performance Past 30. The eight keys to a more meaningful, healthy minded and physically fit lifestyle. He's driven by his desire to help people reach their physical goals, achieve a stronger mindset and set out to accomplish the things that they want to do in life. Dan, welcome to the show. Bobby Sunday. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, man. And I'm excited to have you on the show and hear about your story and kind of what led you to being in the position that you're in now. So, uh, could you tell me about that story and what was this one event that changed your life? Yeah, absolutely. But first, before we get into it, man, I just want to, uh, I just want to ground you and everybody that's listening right now and just, just have you know that I'm so committed to making this one of the most actionable episodes that you've had. I really want people to be able to walk away with things that they can start doing in their health, in their life right now so that they can start to regain control of their health and just start creating their ideal body. So I just want you to know that my intention today is to make sure that you have those steps and that it's just not another, um, you know, general conversation. This one's going to be good, man. I actually really love that. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge to yourself, the challenge to all my guests that I've had on the podcast. It's a challenge to me. So I'm ready for it, man. Yeah. So you asked about uh, a little bit about my background and kind of like my, um, story and kind of where I came from. So I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you the version of it that I think is going to relate most with, with your audience. So I'm going to take you back, man, about five years. Yeah, it's been about five years now. Okay. So it's October of 2013. I'm working in a job that I hate I'm working in construction and Five years before, during the recession, um, my business as a personal trainer had failed. And deep down, I feel helpless to change my life. I go over to my friend Coach's house, and I call him Coach because he, he is my football coach, but more so, this man is my mentor, this man is my father figure, and my best friend. And his truck is out front, and the shades are drawn, but he's not answering. And, you know, something for me, it just doesn't seem right. So. <laughs> I did, I did like the only thing that I could think of in that moment, Bobby, and like every episode of Cops that you ever seen, man, I just like stepped back in front of the door and with everything I had, just bam, just kicked the door in and went in the house and just like immediately started searching for it, man. Just like, like I was on Cops. It honestly felt pretty good, to be honest with you. So I get in the house and uh, I start searching for him. And I find Coach lying in bed under the covers. And, you know, the whole time as I'm going through the house, something, you know, just really seemed off for me. And I was really getting nervous and fearful that something had happened to him. But when I found him in bed, it was just like, like this big draw of relief. Like, okay, everything's good. So as I go to pull back the covers to wake him up, my, my best friend is dead. And it was five days prior to this that he had drawn my kid and I 
into a big hug in my front yard after the first time meeting her and said, we're family now. Five days prior. So, Coach's death sends me into this deep depression, man, and, and triggers the worst six months of my life. And I lose my job shortly after. Um, I was engaged at the time, so my fiancé and I split. I moved back in with my mom. I slowly gained 30 pounds, and my truck was totaled in a collision. Like, no joke, man. I was living... I was living a damn old country song. That's exactly exactly what it felt like. And to top all of that off, Bobby, I rack up like 40K in credit card debt trying to buy back my happiness. Like, no joke, man. I would I would be going out to fancy dinners around town like three, four nights a week, ordering the most expensive thing on there. Even if I didn't really like it, I just wanted to feel important. And that was just one of the ways I was doing that, not to mention like just taking these irrational last minute trips out to California just to feel like I was going somewhere. And then as soon as I got there, I I felt just as bad as before I left. So um it was a tough time. You know, and during this time I feel lost, I feel alone. I don't care if I live or die. And Honestly, I have no clue how to even begin regaining control over my mindset and my motivation. So then uh, I get a call from my friend Ryan. And Ryan says he knows somebody looking to work with a fitness coach. Now, remember, I haven't had a client in years, back since 2008. I'm 30 pounds overweight, man. I'm living at my mom's. I'm out of work, out of a job. But the call feels like a lifeline. And while my head is saying I can't, the voice in my heart says, dude, Dan, you got to go for it. You got to go for it right now. And so I do. And it was the best decision I've ever made. And it was that same day I found the motivation to start running again. And a few days later, I was coaching my new client. See, the thing is, is when I stopped coaching five years before, I lost my reason for being. Man. I lost my reason for being. You, you. And I say this all the time, but you can't lose your reason for being. And getting back to mine reconnected me with the most purposeful work that, that I've ever found in my life. And what I found is that my purpose now is to coach others to lead a more impactful, healthy-minded, and physically fit lifestyle. Hence the, the subtitle of the book. Wow, that is that is so crazy. I mean, listening to your story pretty much from beginning to end, and you think about that journey that you went through to get to where you're at now, and you talk about yeah. the reason, there's a reason for what you wanted to do, and you know, you had that reason all along. Did you kind of lose that for a while? Did you did start to develop new reasoning for how you thought you wanted to live your life? When, when did that well, reason really come back? Well, it was, it was in that moment that I was given that opportunity to do something different because, you know, at the time, like I mentioned, I was really just in the lowest, darkest place that I had ever been and, and just didn't feel like there was a way out. And I think there are so many people that find themselves in that place and feel the same. And so I knew that if something was to change, I was going to have to do something different. 
And when that opportunity came along, um, that was the catalyst for everything to change. And I immediately went to the mountains and that's why mountain running is such a major part of my life now. Like it's the, it's the biggest thing that I do personally for me that just allows me to continue to show up at the level that I do, man. And what I realized is by getting out into the mountains and like taking that first step, that was it. And as soon as I got into the mountains, like if you can imagine being in a hole and feeling worthless and, and not, not having your family around you and being in debt and out of a job, 24 hours of the day, man, you feel lost. You feel, um, worthless. But the time that I would go into the mountains and I would spend 30, 45 minutes, an hour just running or hiking, for that little amount of time, man, I just felt free. I felt I can free Im- from all of the negativity that I had felt. And I can imagine that running through the mountains is kind of metaphorically and literally yeah. opening you up to the world because you're running up the mountain and you're seeing the world around you. But at the same time, you're getting out of this hole that you've been in this dark place and you're you're kind of coming to the light. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true, man. Like running in, and I just talked about it in, uh, in a video I did for social media the other day, but like running has just given me so many connections and metaphors for my everyday life, man. Like every time I get in the mountains, there's some spark in, in creativity or in a new idea or in, uh, inspiration, whatever it may be. Like something always comes. There's always a breakthrough in running. And it's such a great metaphor for life. If you, I mean, just like on the surface level, the only thing that you're focused on at the moment is getting to the top, right? It's just like struggling through the hill section, struggling through feeling out of breath and tired and like battling with those, those inner negative conversations, but then finally making it to the top where you can celebrate for everything that you just accomplished. Like it's everything that I needed at that time and it was just such a breath of fresh air literally man and you know that's like i said that's why a a big reason why it's still such a huge part of my life today yeah so you got you know you were in this hole and you found yourself out five years later and you talked about the idea you know of you getting back on track after everything was going wrong and i feel like a lot of times People have these things going on in their lives and they feel like the world is out to get them. I feel like that's a very, it's a very common mentality though. The world is out to get me. Uh, if something bad happens in my life or a lot of bad things happen in my life, why is the world doing this to me? Did you kind of have that mentality and how did you get out of that mentality? Yeah, totally. Um, but, but when you're in it, man, like at least how I felt was, that's just how it is. And there's nothing that I can do about it. And what I realized coming out and being on the other end of it is that, uh, this is just a false belief and, you know, false beliefs are a bit of a misnomer. It's kind of like a, like a slow Corvette or, or an honest Slytherin, you know, shout out to all my, my Harry Potter people. If if you like Harry Potter, but it was the false belief that I had around it, you know, and usually these false beliefs are self-imposed and they're rooted in some certain time, place, incident, or, or person 
that has planted this seed, which has kind of like grown into this deep rooted belief that it's always going to be something, or I can never catch a break, or this is how it's always going to be. You know, and I think about one of my most successful clients, his name is Justin. And, you know, for him, he always had some kind of drama in his life that, that was sabotaging his health in one way or another, and just really left him frustrated and overwhelmed or you know, full of doubt and fear, like all of these things that caused him to sabotage himself into depression, being 60 pounds overweight, unhappy, and, and ultimately divorced when he first came to me for help. And so the way out of this, you know, working with Justin was that we focused on the major mindset shifts regarding transformation. And the way out for him was understanding that it's my responsibility, not my fault. It's my responsibility, not my fault. This is one of the the biggest mindset shifts that we miss in the beginning stages of transformation. Because here's the thing, man, like people, people message me every single day. And I know a lot of people say that, but I literally will wake up to at least 10 new messages. People asking questions like, how much water should I be drinking? How much food should I be eating? How much, how much exercise should I be doing? Well, all of this is good. All of these like little tips and tricks are great. But what really leads to transformation over the long term is not a tip or a trick. It's a shift in what we believe in. And if we continue to believe that things are our fault, then we're going to continue to sabotage because the truth is, is that we're not victims of circumstance. We're products of our decisions. And that may be hard to see if you're in that low spot right now, but really being in that spot where I used to be and where I'm at now, that's just the truth. And that's one thing that I really try to, to help my students with is to realize that, you know, the, the mindset shift is what's going to allow you to break through. And the science on this is real, Bobby. I mean, our brains are, are designed to seek. Okay. So it's like this, this repetitive action of seek and find, seek and find, seek and find. And it's part of what's a, allowed us to evolve over the past, you know, millennia or whatever. And when this happens, our brain gets this like wonderful hit of, of dopamine every time we find something. And then we seek it again and it becomes this addiction, this habit loop that we go back and forth between. Well, this is good and bad. And really it's what allows us to continually find new levels in our, in our health and our business and ultimately what leads to, you know, people that really change the world. But we got to realize that this seek and find thing is both good and bad. And the more that we think about the things that, you know, we don't want to have in our life, the drama, the negativity, the it's always something mentality, the more and more of that that we're going to create. I love where you talked about responsibility over blame. It's a, it's something that I've thought about a lot in my life. And I think a lot of people kind of, overlook this when they're looking at issues in their life that you may not be to blame for the circumstances that happen to you. You know, anything can happen to anyone. Someone might get in a car accident. You know, someone ha might have a death in the family. However, your responsibility is your ability is your it's your responsibility to deal with the emotions that come with after that event. So yeah. it's it, you can relate it to pretty much anything. if. You're walking through the street and someone hands you a baby. 
and you have no idea whose baby it is and you're just sitting there and you have you have no idea. I mean, yeah, you could say, well, this is technically not my responsibility, but that wouldn't be true. It's not your fault that someone handed you the baby, but now it's your responsibility. And I think about that a lot with life in life. You know, a lot of things happen to you where it's not your fault. You're right. It's not your fault. There's not many ways you could have avoided this path, but it is your responsibility to deal with them. So where are you going to pick up and where are you going to go from here? Because no one else is going to help you do it. It's going to be you. And I think that part of my, my struggle in the beginning was feeling like everything was happening to me. You know, like I'm 30 pounds overweight because I lost the, the most important figure in my life. I'm living at my mom's because my fiance and I couldn't figure things out. Like the way that I was, that I was believing it just put me in this victim mentality. And, you know, when I would, when I would talk to certain people about this, they would give me this, um, you know, this, this bit of comfort. And in that comfort is actually, it was, it was the exact opposite of what I needed, you know, and I fed off of it. And I think that so many of us do the same thing. It's like we we almost play like the victim card. I hate saying it that way, but some of us just do. We play this victim card that there's nothing that we can do. And we do it because it, it gives us some kind of reward. It's like the seek and find, seek and find. Uh, we get that, that hit of dopamine and it just becomes like a, a loop for us. And we end up going nowhere. We end up staying and repeating the same story over and over and over and nothing changes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy to get stuck in that loop, especially when you've been in it for so long. I really like the phrase, uh, a body at rest stays at rest, a body in motion stays in motion. And you think about that, (laughs) you think about that for life too, because when you get caught in this slump or you're in this hole, it's easy to stay in that hole because you're already there. It's harder to get up and change your circumstances. It's a lot easier to sit there and let them be the same. So I think that way easier. <laughs> yeah, it's way easier. And that can be said for pretty much anything in life. It's easier to sit at home than to get up and go to the gym. It's easier to sit down and wallow about all the terrible things that have happened to you than to get up and try to make things better. You talked about the confusion of emotions and how it's odd that we can't control our emotions, even though there are emotions. You know, we should have some kind of control over them, although sometimes in our life it feels like they control us. So how did you learn to manage your emotions during all these events going on in your life? Yeah, and this was another one of those false beliefs that I had. And, you know, at that time, and it really just stemmed from my lack of consciousness. And full disclosure here, um, I don't want to lead you or the listeners to believe that I got all of this figured out, man. And now I'm like this, <laughs> this perfect person. But here's what I've learned about learning about how we learn to manage emotion. And, and really what really helped me break through here, man, is understanding that there are really like four different levels of, of all learning. And when I figured these out and how they applied to my situation, it was one of the biggest breakthroughs that I had in my transformation. And there's really four levels to all of it. The first level is understanding unconscious incompetence is like the very beginning stage of changing any habit or 
regaining control of any area of your life that that's out of balance. And this is at the point in my story where I was kind of like going through everything. I didn't really understand why I couldn't control how I felt. I, I acted on emotion as it came up. And because of that, I'll be honest with you, man, like I hurt the people who loved and cared about me most. And it really relates to that saying, you don't know what you don't know. And, and so the first level of this is this unconscious incompetence, like not knowing that we're doing this thing and not knowing how it's impacting the people that we, that we care about. And then once you get to the next level of learning, you learn about the conscious incompetence side of it. And related to my story again, this is where I was after realizing that, oh, wow, I am now living at my mom's because I couldn't communicate my feelings appropriately to my fiance. I'm out of a job because now I don't, I don't know how to control myself and lead my team at work. So I realized that I have this problem, but I don't know how to solve it. And so this is where we go back to that seek and find mentality and how it just started to kick in from that point. Like, okay, I know I have a problem. Now I got to go about finding the solutions for it, which leads us to the next level of learning, which is our conscious competence. This is where in my story, now, now I've found the tools to better manage my emotion through having coaches and listening to great podcasts like this one here, ones that are actually like helping me instead of just like mindlessly, you know, listening to music or scrolling social media, but more importantly, being able to understand how they work, how these tools work and how to properly identify the emotions as they come up based on how I feel. So for the athletes that are listening, this maybe will, will help you understand this better. This is the stage of learning where you practice what's being taught to you. So actually like getting out and practicing, you know, for me, I play football. So this conscious competence stage would be us going over a play in the huddle and then running it out on the field over and over and over until it just becomes second nature, which leads to the fourth stage of all learning, which is this unconscious competence. This is really where like all of the magic happens, man, because now it's been practiced so often that it just becomes part of who you are. It's just part of, it's just part of your being now. And for me, this is the process of building my my emotional intelligence that's allowed me to identify how I feel in real time and how others feel as well. So really that was the, that was the biggest breakthrough that I had was understanding how all learning worked through these four levels. That's crazy to think about. You take, you take a concept like that and apply it to your life. And it makes me wonder when people were out here developing, you know, the theory for this and finding that it worked, if they would have ever imagined that you could use it as sort of a, like a blueprint for your life and kind of figure out where it fits in in your own life. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great framework for people to, to use when it comes to learning any new skill set as well. You know, I think about. I think about these four levels and how I can apply them in my business. Even. You know, if I think about like, all right, a year from now, what new skill sets am I going to have to start developing to be able to perform at that level? And so I think of one right now in particular and being able to communicate my story better so that it better connects with the people that I'm talking to. You know, and I talked about that in the beginning of the episode, but learning these four different stages and where I'm falling short so that then I can start 
you know, optimizing each one of these stages so that my message comes through clear, concise, and really connects. That's so true. And it's great that you're able to use that to connect with others. And I think that's one of the most important part of having a story to tell is that you want to connect with the audience in some way so you can make some kind of personal impact, which is what you're doing here on the show as well. It's really, really cool. So did you find that helping, you find that helping others kind of gives you this altruistic mindset. Did you find that helping others helped you in a lot of ways? (laughs) That's the, I love that question, man, because, um, I've always loved teaching. I've always loved teaching. You know, if, if I look back, I've, I've done a lot of different jobs, man. And, you know, I, I, in the past couple of relationships I've been in over the past decade and a half, you know, both of my partners have said, you know, you, you've worked a lot of different jobs. And, and so I've done a lot of different things, but if I look back, all of my favorite jobs, all of my favorite things I was doing have all been teaching something. You know, when I was in high school, when I was 17 years old, uh, I was I was a snowboard instructor on a local ski resort here. Um, a few years later, I was uh, I was in college to to become a horse trainer, and so for a number of years, I trained horses. After that, I got a certification in personal training, and then uh, I wanted to coach high school kids how to play football. And now I'm a fitness coach to high performers and entrepreneurs. So everything that I've done that brought me the most joy and fulfillment was in teaching, you know, and for those that, uh, for those that know about a guy named Jim Quick, this is one of my mentors. He's just this brilliant man when it comes to optimizing your brain and, you know, the ability to unlock some of like the, the hidden powers that it has. He had this beautiful reference to teaching. And he said that when I get, when I teach something, I get to learn it twice. And he said that probably like two years ago when I first heard it. And it just, it stuck with me since. And the big takeaway for me in this was that, you know, my capacity to retain what I'm learning is amplified when I pay it forward. And, and for me, this is a, a, a win win because impact is just so important to me. So yeah, man, I, I love being able to teach and I love being able to learn because, you know, ultimately what I take in is, you know, passed down through the proper channels and my impact just compounds from there, which, you know, I love. I think being in a lot of different jobs helps you broaden your experience that you can push onto others as well. I, I am myself in the same exact way. I've worked so many different jobs and a lot of them just being, you know, related to fitness or nutrition or whatever I'm doing in life. I mean, I think it's really important to have that background and I'm not saying it's bad to stay in one job, but you don't necessarily gain the same skills as you might hopping around from different places because you take a different skill set in you get a different insight to what's going on around you. And then you're able to further display that insight through a different job. So I think that's really awesome as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I want to share this with you too. This was something that I struggled with um, for the majority of like my adolescence, man. Um, You know, historically I'm the type of person that is always on the move that is always seeking is always finding and that's always seeking and finding, seeking and finding, wanting to do different things. 
and never really just like staying put, not out of like this lack of, uh, you know, not being happy, but I just have like this, this zest to move. And I got this from my mom because she's the same way. But since the time I was a kid, man, I've always been wanting to do different things. And so because athletics and sport has kind of like always been something that's just came to me naturally and using my body, you know, I went from playing baseball at a high level to playing football at a high level to um, participating in rodeo at a very high level. And then, you know, coming into American Ninja Warrior and, you know, I'm still a current competitor on that. So doing all of these different unique styles of training and being around different crowds and types of people, you know, for the longest time, a lot of the people that I would hang out with kind of like teased me for it. You know, they're like, oh, Dan can't sit still. You know, he's he's always doing this different thing and he's you know putting on a cowboy hat and jeans and riding bulls one day, but then he's, you know, swinging around with dreadlocks the next day on Ninja Warrior. And so it kind of like affected my psyche in a way. But now that I'm a little bit older, I find that because I've done all of these different things, I'll tell you what, man, I, I feel like I feel pretty confident I can walk into any room and connect with dang near anybody in there on some level because of those experiences. Yeah. And I think that relates back to everything we were talking about. It's you're right. Connecting with other people through your own experiences is, yeah. is the way to connect with other people. It's really what gives them it's the, it's the way it gives them the right insight and working all the different jobs helps you gain that insight. So in your book, uh, Peak Performance Past 30, you talk about clustering. Can you explain what that is and how you avoid or fix that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Clustering is a big, a big deal. So I want you to, um, I want you to imagine a cartoon. Okay. Let's put this in story form. I want you to imagine this like cartoon you would see as a kid, um, where, you're on this ship at sea and it's, it's, it's during like this really nasty storm and it's, it's raining. You're on the top deck and like all of the, the, the chairs and the tables are just like sliding back and forth as the ship is trying to stay afloat. Okay. So these chairs and tables are all representing different areas of our life. Okay. So stay with me here. Um, they represent areas like your career or your health or your family time or your finances, whatever that may be but they're all rocking back and forth in this storm. And the whole time as, as these chairs and tables are sliding around the ship, the, the character, the cartoon character on the ship is, he's like holding onto the rail, like bent over. He's, you know, his face turns green. He's sick. He's about to throw up or even worse. He's about to just like jump off the boat entirely because he can't take it anymore. Okay. Well, as, as a fitness coach to high performers, man, clustering is like the number one reason why people join our program is because they've simply just lost the balance. They've lost that stability in their life as they've grown their business or advanced in their career. And they're just, they don't feel good anymore. And because they have like no intentional practice or the framework of what an actual balanced lifestyle looks like for them. They tend to cluster only a few things that matter most to them, like their career or their finances. So clustering is really just like picking certain things and only doing those things, which eventually just leads to having this lifestyle out of balance in this ship that's just kind of like, you know, swaying and sliding stuff all around 
without having any kind of stability, man. So how do you avoid this clustering or how can you, once you've built up the cluster, how can you fix it? Yeah, man. So before I actually give you the how, I want to explain what I believe are the eight key areas to peak performance so that you can better understand how this works. So for the listeners right now, please take notes on this because you'll need it in a moment to to go through the exercise I'm about to give you. And this is something that in the beginning stages of people that come to work with us, this is one of the very first things that we do. We give them the framework and these eight keys so that they can then see what's out of balance for them most. So the first key is is our assignment. It's our assignment. You know, this is all about fulfilling our greatest purpose. It's all about how we can get clear on what we've been assigned to do in our life, our our greatest level of impact, whatever that may be. The second level is, or excuse me, the second key is our health. You know, big shocker, right? It's our health. But this is all about just longevity. This is about vitality. This is this is more than just having a great physique, but really this like sets the tone for everything that we do in our business, with our family, for our kids. Let's be honest. If you're on top of your health, if you're taking care of your body, if you're taking care of your mind, you're eating right, that really sets the tone for everything that you do. And I think that's like one of the, the first things to go for most people as they build their business. So number three, the third key of peak performance here is having a growth mindset and like really future planning on the skill sets of who we need to be in order to be able to perform at that next level. It's like all of this future thought of who we need to become. The fourth is reconnection. And this is really about just taking a daily inventory on our mindset, on our emotions, on our well-being. The fifth is our finances. And really what I'm talking about here is our relationship with money and really how to manage it when we have it. The sixth is just to play more, to adventure more. You know, for me, I mentioned it earlier, but this is really like the heart of all creativity and inspiration. It comes from just playing and being present in the moment with it. The seventh key is our relationships. You know, like, <laughs> like Ron and, and Hermione, you know, like some people were just like meant to connect. They're meant to be together. And we got to be able to, to seek those people out that really help to elevate us to that next level. For the listeners, I hope, I hope you're following me with these Harry Potter references. And then the eighth final one is, uh, is, is win-win. Win-win. This is about really just finding a mutually beneficial agreement between two or more people. You know, it's about finding a way for everybody involved to walk away feeling good about the situation and breaking the construct of, you know, if I win, you have to lose. Or if, if you win, I have to lose. Why not just find a way for everybody to? So knowing those eight keys, these are the eight things that I see high performers and entrepreneurs out of balance with the most, the most. This is what I've seen over the past 11 years since I've been coaching. So knowing these eight things, here's how we actually go about solving this. Here's how we go about bringing balance back into our life so that we can then give to our families, to our clients, to the people that we serve and love most. Here's how we do it. So if you think about these eight things as a whole, 
within each one of these things, I want you to answer three questions. And I call this the three R's. This is one of the first things that we teach. Three R's. And the three R's are your reality, your reach, and refine. Reality, reach, and refine. And here's what I'd like you to do. Maybe like once a week. Maybe even twice a week. I don't know, maybe once every couple weeks. Whatever is best for you, Bobby. I want you to ask yourself three questions with the three R's in each one of these eight areas. So, for example, let's just choose health here since we're on the topic of health. Now, if I'm thinking about my health and the longevity and you know having that vitality over the long term, the first R that I need to answer is, what is the reality of my health over the past, I don't know, week? What's the reality of it? You know, am I, um, have I been eating healthy? Have I been going to bed on time? Have I been, have I been in the gym training? Have I been at least going out on a walk in the evening? Have I been stretching? What's the reality? And getting clear and writing this down. The second R here is, what is the reach? Like, what is the, what is that thing that I really had to stretch out to do that ended up being a big win for me in my health over the past seven days? What's been the big win? You know, maybe it was just meal prepping over the weekend. Maybe it was just not hanging out with some toxic people. Maybe it was not going to have drinks after work one night, whatever it may be. But what was the big reach, the big win for the week? And then finally, refine. Okay, now that I know the reality of my health, now that I know the big win of my health, what do I have left to refine? What do I get to do? What is my action step moving forward over the next seven days? What do I get to do better? In fact, what am I blessed to do better in my health right now? And I think just by answering those three R's within each one of these eight areas on a regular basis is really going to allow you to have that, that inventory on what you may be neglecting and, and actually like what's in balance. Yeah, I definitely took notes during that because it was amazing. You gave so many different points and the three R's, it's a great way to look at different things that you want to tackle in your own life because you have to look at the reality of things. You have to look for what you want to strive for and then you make adjustments and it's a great way to look at goal setting. It's a great way to look at mind, mind adjustment for anything that you want to accomplish. So your book that you wrote, where can people go to find more information and get this book? Yeah, thanks for asking. So you can just visit my website. Just go to thedanholglandfitness.com. You know, I think that uh, my last name is kind of tricky for most people to spell, so maybe maybe you can have that typed somewhere for people. But you can just go to danholglandfitness.com, danholglandfitness.com, and, um, and you can get it there. It's a free book. I just ask that you cover a few bucks for the shipping. And, um, you know, right now I'm giving a bunch of, a bunch of stuff away with it. So make sure that you get all of those bonuses as well. Awesome. Awesome. It was great to hear your insight and great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Dan. Absolutely, brother. Definitely go follow Dan on Instagram at Dan Hogan. That's at Dan H-O-L-G-U-I-N. Also remember to head over to Instagram and follow me at Freaking Bobs for all future podcast updates and updates on everything going on with that.
Please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review or leave some kind of review, a written review of what you guys would like to see in future episodes. I take that stuff very seriously, and I would love to get you guys' feedback on that. I will see everybody next week.